0: Welcome to The Theology of the Buddy, a podcast for Catholics who love the beauty of the church's sacred tradition. This is episode 68. My name is Chris, and I'm joined by my my everlasting co-host, Mike. (laughs) (laughs) And we're joined by a wonderful special guest who I'll introduce in a moment. So uh, if you are somebody who is looking to grow in their faith in new ways, looking to connect with other faithful Catholics who are committed to helping you grow closer to our blessed Lord, or simply looking for other Catholic voices who are willing to speak the truth while having a little fun in the process, you've come to the right place. We're not experts, but we've learned a lot collectively over the 15 plus years that we've been friends in the faith, and we want to share that with you. So if you aren't yet, make sure that you hit that subscribe button wherever you're listening to ensure you get the best Catholic candid conversations delivered to you every week. While you're at it, don't forget to follow us on social media so you can keep up to date with all of the great content we are sending out. Again, you can find all of our episodes and show notes at theologyofthebuddy.com. So, today on our podcast, the Sons of Thunder are joined by the illustrious and far more knowledgeable uh, guest. And far more handsome. True. True. Uh, (laughs) Nicholas Job (laughs) of Our Lady's Armory. (laughs) Welcome, Nick. Thanks for having me. It's good to be here. And, uh, yeah. So on the podcast today, we are getting into a bit of a spicy conversation. Um, (laughs) we're discussing the traditional approach to celebrating Advent, but specifically we want to tackle those big Catholic questions right now that are floating around the internet. Like, is it a sin to put up your Christmas tree? before Christmas and things like that. So is
1: Advent really penitential? mm, Mm.
0: Yeah. So let's, uh, let's, let's get into it. So recently, I don't know if it was in our VIB group or whatnot, but um, Brooke had shared a, an article, which I'll share in the show notes, um, which it's called Advent guilt. Should you hold on or let go? And Uh, In the article, uh, she uh, talks about how Advent is not a penitential season and gets into the uh, importance that she or she gets into the reasons why she believes that Catholics should have no problems in uh, setting up the tree and and decorating for Christmas and and whatnot. Um, singing their
1: Christmas songs as soon as Thanksgiving's over, stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And this is kind of juxtaposed against a bunch of kind of trad content that's come out recently and basically comes out every year about how basically the opposite. Don't listen to any Christmas hymns until, you know, Christmas day, until you've gone to mass and, you know, Christmas tree has got to be on Christmas Eve. It's got to come down on Candlemas. I mean, stuff like that. Yeah. So, what is a uh, a good Catholic to think looking at the internet these days? Maybe Nicholas Job can help us.
2: There's there's so much out there. I mean, <laughs> if if somebody if somebody's new to the faith and they get on Google or Facebook or whatever, um. I just, I, I fear for them and I I wonder what are they going to find and where are they going to turn? And are they going to, are they going to go deeper in their faith in an authentic way? Or are they going to end up not even realizing that they've been led astray, um, by, you know, those dark corners of the internet that say that, um, Christmas trees are totally fine the day after Thanksgiving, for example. <laughs> I'm kidding about that part, of course, but the, the point stands. Um, it's just, it, it's so hard to to know the right direction to go. And I think a lot of what we're going to talk about is probably within the realm of, of prudential judgment. Um, I, I think that there's there's certainly some teaching of the church that is authoritative on the things that we'll talk about, but I think a lot of it is um, is more about personal devotion. Uh, so I want to make that part clear up front. And I, I hope that somebody listening to this, especially somebody who might be new to the faith, uh, doesn't approach this conversation as if it's the authoritative resource. Um, just the same as they, I would hope that they would not approach uh, that article um, from that perspective either. So- Having not read the article, though, uh, I feel like I'm not prepared for the episode, although (laughs) I'll I'll have to go look at that later. Um, You know, I I think that there's a middle road, probably, uh, and and it's up to each family to discern how are they called to celebrate these seasons within their own domestic church. Yeah, that's a
1: good point. I mean, for better or worse, we're not um, really under any church law to do any sort of uh, Advent devotions, right? Or, you know, we're not bound to do them at all, much less at a certain time. So it is within the realm of private devotion. So I think with that said, you can probably close the case on, is it always a sin to put up your tree early? I would say no, it's, it's in the realm of like I mean, if you're putting it up with a a spirit in your heart of like, I don't care about the faith, I just want to celebrate atheist Christmas, maybe that's a sin, but like <laughs> <laughs> objectively it's not.
0: I think I think they're especially right now in trad circles, but I think also outside of that too, there's this desire for a lot of families to kind of do this whole liturgical living thing. Like you read like that book, theology of home or um, Catholic all year. Yeah. 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 Exactly. You know? And, and I think there is some, some really good merit there Mm -hmm. for sure. But I think trads, myself included can tend to be a little bit neurotic when it comes to things like this. And it becomes hard line, like no way, you know, like I'm, I'm very, I'm very good at shaming Brooke for (laughs) like putting up her Christmas tree early and doing things like that. But, you know, I think it's, yeah, I think there's a trap there a little bit, you know Mm -hmm. what I mean? Um, Which, uh, yeah, I don't know. But is there is there a fine balance there too? Like, should we and how should we encourage Catholic families and Catholic other Catholics to really enter into the spirit of Advent? You know, um, is it is it you know is it an all or nothing thing or is it something that you kind of do piecemeal? You know, you know maybe we. You know, set up the crash, but we don't put a baby Jesus in yet, or we, you know, do things like that. You know, I don't know. Like, how would you approach that, Nick?
2: I would say, um, in my own family, restoring the the timeline of liturgical observances to its proper order helped me to um, appreciate them more. So, you know, growing up, it was we did what what most you know typical. American Catholic families would do. We'd put on Christmas music after Thanksgiving and decorate the house and put the tree up and all this stuff. And by the time Christmas rolled around, I was so sick of Christmas music, I wanted nothing to do with it. And then we'd go to mass for weeks afterwards and they would say, it's still Christmas. It's still Christmas. And I'm like, no, it's not. Christmas is over. Um, And as I got older and realized, well, the, the Christmas season actually does last you know, quite a bit longer than, than just Christmas day. It's a season, it's not a day. Um, so, you know, in, in my own household, um, trying to restore the Advent practices and not get into celebrating Christmas until Christmas itself. Like we're still listening to Christmas music into the beginning of February. Um, and, you know, really feeling like we're we're living that out joyfully and celebrating it, even while the rest of the world has moved on to new year's resolutions and how terrible January is. And, you know, it's just dark and cold outside, but we're still at home drinking hot cocoa and saying happy Christmas every day. So um, restoring that timeline helped me to appreciate the, the, the holy day, the holidays and the holy days uh, that much more.
1: That's a good point about January, right? Cause for a lot of people, January into February is the most depressing kind of pointless part of the year where there's not much to look forward to. Um, Brooke definitely expresses this a lot, right? <laughs> like this is, it's like the worst time of year for depressed people. Right. <laughs> and she like, especially looks forward to gift giving so much. And then there's like an emotional crash after Christmas. That's something where like, I've always thought or at least since I found out about this kind of stuff I've thought maybe that uh isn't how it's meant to be, right? Like you should be celebrating Christmas at that time. But we're we're so used to celebrating Christmas like all through December. Um I wanted to ask you something uh this may be a, bit, a little random but um, extended family get togethers. Do you have family members that are often like, why don't we have Christmas dinner on the 23rd or <laughs> the 24th stuff like that? Is that a thing for your family? Because it often is with mine?
2: Yeah, I, I don't think I've experienced that much in my own family. Um, nothing really comes to mind in particular. Uh, I'm the second of six in my family and my older sister's married and has kids. Uh, the next sibling after me is engaged. And so, you know, we've reached the point with my parents' kids, uh, where everybody is, is starting to have their own, you know, nuclear family celebrations for Christmas. And so for my parents getting everybody back together again, it's, they've become the extended family. Um, and so they, they kind of work with us and just try to fit into whatever schedule works best for all of our nuclear families, which is, which is nice. Um, I, I don't remember any turmoil over, (laughs) you know, whether we celebrate Christmas on the 23rd or the 28th, for example.
1: Yeah. I'm always trying to gently push to have these extended family dinners after Christmas day, but, uh, the uh my parents and the in-laws are generally don't care whether it's before or after, as long as it's close.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: When I um my my dad's family, they would oftentimes do it before Christmas. Um and yeah, I as a child, I mean, I don't think I really cared too much, but I mean, as I grew older, that was certainly like, it was weird. And, you know, um, and even then at that point, I didn't necessarily have a sense of the penitential nature of Christmas or I'm sorry, of Advent. And yet I knew, you know, like Advent was kind of a sacred preparation time that you just don't really mess with, you know, and generally speaking, my dad's side of the family are all atheists. So, I mean, it explains why they just didn't care, but I mean, you know, for me, it was certainly like, it felt weird to participate in that.
1: Yeah. Do you guys want to switch gears and address
0: is Advent penitential? I, I believe very strongly that it is, However, I will make the caveat that in the Novus Ordo world, that, I don't think that it's easy to make that case. I think there's still uh, red flags or maybe purple flags that uh, point to that, but, but uh, yeah, I don't think it's as easy to see it in the Novus Ordo world as it is in the the traditional Catholic side.
1: I think I'd even go so far as to say that in most recent canon law and in Novus Ordo land, it's technically not penitential. But if I can maybe reference last week's podcast, saying Advent isn't penitential might be kind of like saying the offertory doesn't talk about sacrifice. It's a statement that's only true in the Novus Ordo. It's not true in any other rite. It's not true at any other point in church history. And we live in an aberration where it's really, it's almost kind of an abuse that Advent's not penitential in the same sense that the offertory doesn't talk about sacrifice anymore. Mm -hmm. That's my thinking on it anyway.
2: I'm going to say, according to my personal magisterium, the Advent is penitential. And <laughs> uh, I have spoken from my chair. I'm sitting in a chair right now. So I've spoken from my chair and it's authoritative.
1: Um, call that the I act- book of Job. When he of- <laughs>
2: <laughs> I actually did have a priest tell me once uh, that it's, it's a different penitential character from Lent. And that the vestments for Lent are supposed to be a red hued purple and the vestments for Advent are supposed to be a blue hued purple. And when, when he got to that point, I was like, you're, you're throwing me a line of malarkey. <laughs> uh, I I don't believe that for a second. Come on, man. Um, <laughs>
0: Come on, man. triggered
2: but i you know if if somebody's not looking at the at the rubrics or at the canons or anything like that uh what are they looking at if they're going to mass they're hopefully noticing the vestments Mm -hmm. and that should be your number one clue hey it's purple what what other season do we wear purple uh lent and that's penitential season now, if you want to say it's of a different penitential character than, than Lent, I, okay, we can talk about that. Um, I don't exactly know what he meant by that, um, but anyway, um, yeah, I, it's it's penitential. I, I I don't think that there's any um, – <laughs> can you, you hear my toddler screaming in the background? Yes. Yeah. Um, I, I don't think that there's any way around that, you know, regardless of whatever the, the current practice is in one particular right everywhere else in our history, everywhere else in, in any other right, it's, it's penitential. So yeah, that's what I'm saying and I'm sticking to it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Do, I don't really know because it's been, it's been a number of years really since I've been at a pair, a Nova Sordo parish, um, but I mean, even for the, in the traditional Latin mass, the, the weeks preceding up to Christmas are like the four last things. Right. So, I mean, I mean, pretty, pretty grim stuff. I mean, like obviously heaven's not grim, but I mean, every, everything else is kind of a, it's a somber kind of moment. For us to kind of reflect and prepare for that, that coming of Christ, um, does I don't know if if the Novus Ardo Advent readings follow that
2: or not. The first time I was at, um, or the first time I really remember attending a TLM regularly was at an FSSP parish, and uh, I remember going for the Sundays of Advent that year. And I remember that Christmas was on a Tuesday uh, because the pastor said that he was going to talk about the four last things as his his Advent sermons. Um, And he said, yes, that's right. I'm going to be talking about hell two days before Christmas, and you're going to enjoy it. (laughs) (laughs) That's great. Yeah. I love
1: that priest. (laughs) <laughs> I don't know who he is, but I love him.
2: <laughs> I'll just say he has mixed reviews. <laughs> I loved his preaching though. He was, he was very good at his, his preaching.
0: Yeah. But uh, yeah. So, I mean, yeah. In every other case, like in every other right, Advent is treated as it has always traditionally been, which has been that, that penitential time. Yeah of anticipation of of Christ's incarnation, right?
1: Do you remember um, when our friend uh, Billy made the the, Mm -hmm. uh, video about Advent being penitential? And he kind of went through the whole history of Advent back from, like, uh, I think the 6th century. Yeah. And, uh, like, he found it going back that far. It seemed like it's not actually as ancient as Lent, but somewhere... In the, at least by the sixth century, they had adopted a bunch of the Lenten practices into forty days before Christmas,
0: right? Martinmas, right?
1: Yeah, from Martinmas to Christmas, which uh, was just this past week. Mm-hmm. And I, I never knew that uh, that was the trad beginning of Lent until this year. Yeah, this is like how weird it is to be a a cradle Catholic in Novus Ordo land that like even little basic things like this, you find out when you're 33 years old. (laughs) Yeah. It's bizarre.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean, Julie and I were talking about this as well how, you know, Martin Miss and, and leading up to, you know, the, the, the four weeks of Advent, like, how we kind of look at it, kind of like Septuagesima in a way, mm-hmm. you know, in you know, leading up to Lent, being like, this is kind of the warning shot, like get ready, start start preparing yourself for the real penitential time, you know, start mm-hmm. looking into those questions of, you know, what are what do you plan to sacrifice for this Advent,
2: so mm-hmm. yeah. I pulled up the mass readings. I'm, I'm looking at the USCCB website right now. Um, the gospel for the first Sunday of Advent is Mark 13, um, where Jesus is telling the disciples, be watchful, be alert. Uh, you do not know when the, the time will come. Uh, the second Sunday of Advent um, is the beginning of the gospel of Mark, uh, coming from Isaiah the prophet. Um, and then third Sunday is uh gospel of John regarding John the Baptist. Fourth Sunday of Advent is the annunciation from gospel of Luke. So, so
0: that the eschatological character of Advent is kind of lost in the Nova
2: Sardo a bit.
1: Is that the same every year, Nick? Or does that, is that like uh a- it's a change with the three-year cycle.
2: Oh, good question. Um, so this one is for 2020. Uh, I'm not seeing um, any reference on on this particular page to whether that changes. Let me let me forward up to next year. My daughter's listening to the Tangled soundtrack right now, so hopefully that's not coming <laughs> through. <laughs> Oh gosh. What
1: liturgical season are you supposed to listen to the Tangled
2: soundtrack? Uh, yeah, I don't even know. <laughs> Probably
1: penitential ones, I would think. Yeah.
2: It, it's very penitential at this point. She listens to it every day. <laughs>
1: <laughs> My daughter had the same phase.
2: Really? So like, yeah. Uh, third Sunday of Advent for next year is um, John the Baptist whoever has two cloaks should share with the person who has none, and so on. Uh, fourth Sunday of Advent next year is the Visitation. Um, yeah,
0: optionitis again. Yeah. <laughs> optionitis strikes again.
1: But guys, we're hearing more different scriptures at Mass. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. Do, do you have Do you have an opinion on that? I know that's totally <laughs> tangential, Nick. But like. Do you do you think that the having the same readings every Sunday and you know on every holy day,
1: same readings every year? Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. Like the yeah, just three hundred and sixty five different readings. Like, do you think that's a good thing?
2: Hmm. Uh, <laughs> mm. <laughs> I feel like my non-answer is an answer in itself. Um, I, Because isn't it like, it's been a while since I've actually looked at how the pattern works out, but there's like an A, B and C for, for the gospel. Mm-hmm. But isn't there an A and a B for the rest of the readings or something like that?
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
2: So you end up really with like six different rotations of, of, um, of readings so, you you know, you could go to mass six years in a row and not have the exact same readings on, from first Sunday of Advent to the following first Sunday of Advent. Um, no, I, I, think that, I think that especially for those people who are kind of on the fence um, or those people who are coming into the church, those people who just aren't familiar with uh, the liturgical calendar, um, the different liturgical seasons, I, I understand that there's a theme that Uh, is, is sought after with the readings and how the readings are structured. But um, I really don't think it's, it's that involved that they've, that they figured out a, you know, first reading year A and gospel year C. And, you know, it's, it's just, it's too much, too many moving parts. Um, I think that we're better served by having that consistency of having the same readings um, for each day of the year and not jumping all over the place so yeah that's my thoughts on it
1: yeah we're uh, definitely on board with that like yeah. i think it's pretty pretty clear that for actually teaching and um like for trying to follow and learn as someone in the pews, you really want to have the same readings on the same sunday year after year because mm-hmm. i mean as an average layperson, you're not a scholar who is absorbing every parallel between like six sets of different readings on the same day. Yeah. It's enough to try to appreciate one set of readings per <laughs> for Sunday. And I do think that they have a stronger character. Yeah, like a, a stronger relation and a stronger message that's mm-hmm. preached by all the scripture in a mass together anyway i think we all pretty much agree on that Mm -hmm.
0: i think you know we are you know for better or for worse we are very much creatures of habit and you know we work we work in 365 day cycles you know Mm -hmm. that's just how we we work you know we celebrate New Year's every year on the same day, you know, um and it's I think there's something to be said of that kind of I don't know what the word is. Um but you know that memory mm-hmm. of this day every year is this day, you know. Yeah, and it's
1: more human, right? Yeah. Like
2: it's nice to be able to have the church as an anchor point, you know.
0: Yeah.
1: Exactly. I mean- human life flows through the seasons and the liturgical seasons kind of mirror that, right? It's, it's yeah. natural and it's easy for anyone to understand, even if they're not a scholar who's studying all the readings, right?
2: I mean, imagine if we had like rotating calendars for the feast days, you know, like, oh, we only celebrate Christmas on year C. How messed up would that be? you know, and I understand it's, it's, it's all scripture, right? So we're still getting scripture regardless of what year in the cycle we're on, but at the same time, yeah, it, it's, it's nice to have that anchor point and be able to think about the same, the same verse is going to be coming up at mass today as came up last, last time we had this feast.
1: And it gives you the ability to be like, you know, Oh, it's uh Christ the King this Sunday. I love the readings for this Sunday. Can't really say that in the Novus Ordo because it could be one of three different readings, and you know, you're you probably don't remember exactly which one it's going to be unless you've intentionally studied ahead, right? Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. And I know that the argument is um, something about more exposure to scripture, right? Um, but for the most part, I think that the Sunday readings, with with some exceptions, uh, are the same as they were before, right? Um, okay, we added in a, a second reading. You know, in, in the old form, we have the lesson and the gospel. Now we have the first reading, the second reading, and the gospel. All right, fine. I'm in favor of that change. Um, but the cyclical thing... That supposedly we get more scripture. I think that that's really only true if you're going to daily mass, right? Um, that seems to be where a lot of the the more more scripture sort of changes were were happening. But don't quote me on that. <laughs> <laughs> I might be completely wrong. So <laughs> just cut this part out.
1: <laughs> In fact, we're just going to cut out all next parts. He's so wrong. <laughs>
0: Yeah. So I guess maybe, maybe switching gears a little bit, um, you know, anecdotally. Okay. So back probably a number of years ago, I would, you know, my, my wife was having a really hard time and I told her, you know what, babe, you should go and go to the salon, get your hair done, just get out of the house and, and make yourself feel pretty. And I can remember her going away. She was kind of in a depressed mood. She came back and it had changed her entire outlook for like the month. It was, it was a drastic change. And, um, the question of should we decorate? Should we not decorate? Um, I, I. Originally I was a little bit more hardlined and I was like you know what we should really push into this penitential character of advent and you know what maybe don't even put up your tree until uh until um Gaudete Sunday um mm-hmm. and uh you know don't put up any christmas decorations don't do anything you know just kind of push in um but I think Recently, I've kind of turned, especially when I consider this past year and the impact that this year has had on a lot of people's mental health and seeing that for some people decorating their homes can be like, like sending my wife off to the salon. It can be something that could, um, can really change the the mood and the atmosphere and I know we were talking, Mike and I were talking with Brooke this past week about this whole thing and, you know, kind of that, that battle of like, how far is too far and how much is too much. And, um, mm-hmm. yeah, like what, what are your guys's thoughts
2: on that?
1: Do you want to go first, Nick or me? <laughs> um,
2: you go ahead, Mike.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's, uh that's kind of been a struggle for my family because Brooke is usually hit really hard by the season. So it's like decorating is a huge, uh, uplifting kind of thing. Oh, so we've never really gone all out on holding back Christmas decorations, but we have tried to do it to some extent. And the main thing we've been trying to get better at is separating the uh the christmas stuff from the advent stuff and that stuff from the uh winter stuff so you can kind of go from like okay we have autumn type decorations in the house we take those down we put up winter stuff but not necessarily christmas
2: stuff (laughs) non-denominational winter holidays
1: yes. <laughs> <laughs> put up stuff like you know wreaths and like um poinsettias and that kind of stuff that's like wintry that makes your house feel cozy and homey and stuff like that it makes you happy but um that stuff you can hold back the uh more explicit Christmas stuff for Christmas. Right. I think that's a good step, especially for people like us who've gone their whole lives, you know, putting up the tree as soon as, (laughs) well, I mean, as soon as Halloween's over, really. Yeah, I mean, in the Americans have to wait for Thanksgiving, but we have Canadian Thanksgiving earlier. So (laughs) (laughs) as soon as Halloween's over, it's like, everywhere's Christmas. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I,
2: I We do something kind of similar. We, we kind of stagger it throughout Advent. Um, so my d- toddler wants to sit on my lap. Let me pick her up. Come here. She's so cute. Oh, thank you. Do you want to say hi? Can you say hi to the microphone? No. She's being shy again. Um, my wife's birthday is on the uh, solemnity of the immaculate conception. So, um, I take the day off work and, um, we go out and celebrate her and for her birthday and we celebrate the Holy day. And, um, and then we go to the tree farm and cut down our tree on that feast day. Honey, we can't push the buttons on the microphone right now. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) She's like, what does this button do? What is this? This is going to mute me. And this is going to turn up the volume. So it hurts my ears. All right. Can we leave it alone? Good. <laughs> um, so, so we get our tree on uh, Immaculate Conception and then it stays outside for a couple weeks. And then I bring it in on Gaudete Sunday and then we, we uh, decorate it on Christmas Eve uh, and we keep it up in the house until Candlemas. And then I take it outside and I burn it in a big bonfire uh, for our Candlemas celebration. Um, I love that. So. <laughs> It's a good, it's, it's good to remember that, um, Advent is a season of preparation, right? Mm. So if it's a season of preparation, it kind of stands to reason that you can do things to prepare for Christmas. It's not this all or nothing. Like you can't put up anything until Christmas Eve. Um, I think that's the wrong way to look at it. Madeline, (laughs) she's messing with the cord on my headset here. Um, so Advent gives us opportunities to prepare for Christmas. And part of that is it, it, it's certainly first and foremost about preparing our hearts. Um, But there's absolutely room in there to prepare our homes uh, and prepare our domestic church to celebrate this season. Um, You know, so little things here and there like poinsettias or wreaths or, um, you know, red and green plaid tablecloths or um, what's that called? The, the, spicy cloves and potpourri. Is that what I'm thinking of? Yeah. Yeah. You know, (laughs) but anyway.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think, yeah, there is that, um, that need for, yeah, that, that need for that preparation, you know, but I mean, even when you consider how the church looks at penitential seasons there's not like a ton of rubrics around decoration it's it's all about internal (laughs) preparation right i mean it's fasting it's almsgiving it's doing things like that right Mm -hmm. so i mean if we're spending more time decorating than finding ways to make sacrifices uh, and taking time to reflect on those four last things you know, maybe, maybe we need to kind of
2: reconsider our priorities. That's a great point. I think um, if, if you're approaching the the season of Advent and the preparation that it calls us to um, and your house is ready for Christmas before your heart is ready for Christmas, I think maybe you've, you've kind of maybe gone about it the wrong way. Um, And, and that's, that comes back to what we were talking about with uh, Christmas music earlier Um, you know, when I mentioned that listening to Christmas music the whole month leading up to Christmas, and then I was sick of it. It's like that kind of, it's kind of like, Oh, I'm ready for Christmas right now, right now. But there's, there's definitely some waiting that has to, to to take place. And there it's, it's, it really is about preparing your heart. Yes. Yeah. There it's, it is a necessary waiting. You can't just say first Sunday of Advent, like, okay, I'm ready for Christmas to be here. It doesn't work that way.
1: You know, you could almost look at the waiting as part of the the fasting and uh, penitence as well, right? Like sometimes it can, like it can be hard to wait when you're excited for uh, decorating the house. I know, uh, like it's a beautiful thing. My wife, my wife has such a a uh, like a childlike excitement at decorating for christmas and it brings her such joy but like even having to wait on some of the decorations i know it is a sacrifice for her and it's definitely you could look at it as a form of of penance if if you do it with that intention
2: right yeah yeah i uh, that's an excellent point yeah
0: i actually uh just last weekend I picked up the uh Charlie Brown Christmas album on vinyl. <laughs> nice and I am so excited to play it, but it's gonna it's gonna stay in shrink until Christmas Day. And then I'm gonna bust that that puppy out. And I'm so stoked. amazing. <laughs> <laughs> Is the one you got yourself. <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> I have an anecdote related to that as well. Um, you know, so we were talking about uh, celebrating Christmas and, and getting up to the point where it's like, okay, I'm sick of it now on December 26th, where, you know, for me having transitioned into celebrating Advent and then celebrating Christmas, it's like, I'm still more than happy to celebrate it. You were talking about Charlie Brown Christmas albums. Yes. Um I bought a copy last year. Not, and on vinyl? Yeah, on vinyl, the green vinyl. Um yeah, and I was really excited cuz I got it on sale. Why did I get it on sale? Because I got it after Christmas. <laughs> 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 cuz you know, if we're still celebrating Christmas until Candlemas, then by all means play it. Play it on, you know, December 31st or January 15th or you know, whatever day you want it to. Um, But everybody's like getting ready for Christmas, getting ready for Christmas, buying all the Christmas things. Everybody's buying all the stuff, like all up to December 24th. And then as soon as Christmas hits, then it it goes on sale. It's like clearance it out. We want to get rid of it. We're going to move over to Valentine's Day stuff. So you can get all your Christmas decorations on super clearance and you can still decorate because it's still Christmas until February 2nd. So um, that's a great way to, you know continue living out and and celebrating um this this great season that we have
1: yeah and if the uh person who loves decorating also really happens to be addicted to getting stuff on sale uh it <laughs> <laughs> might be an exciting thing for her
2: yeah mm-hmm. uh, i know or him <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah i only say her cuz uh I might know someone like that in my family. I don't know.
0: <laughs> yeah. The uh just maybe again more more tangential, but do you think that it is a witness if you know, if we leave our Christmas decorations up outside till till Candlemas? Um, do you, do you think that it makes people question or do they probably just assume everybody's dead, uh, inside the house? Cause they haven't taken their decorations down. You know, do you remember mm-hmm. that song?
2: I think it is a good witness. Do you? What, what song?
0: Either they decorated
1: the for- early or they're all dead.
2: Yeah. yeah. <laughs> is that a song? Yes. It is. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I think it is a good witness. We had friends over, um, this must've been two years ago and it was like the very, very end of January, or maybe it was like February 1st or something. And we still had the Christmas tree up. We had them over for brunch and board games and everything. And um, at one point they asked about it. They're like, why is your Christmas tree still up? And so I told them like, for us, it's still Christmas. Um, This goes all the way up until February 2nd. And then I'm going to take it outside and burn it. And I told them the whole, you know, the whole, celebration of this whole season. um, And they thought it was the coolest thing, you know, like when you talk about um, in a certain sense, arcane stuff, like arcane religious practices, um, you know, ancient beliefs and all this kind of people really latch onto that for some reason. Um, You know, it sounds kind of, kind of cool and kind of mystical and kind of otherworldly and supernatural. And, and we know of course it is, Um, but it's, it's, it takes on a new special meaning for them. Um, when they, when they have it explained to them in that way, rather than seeing like, Oh, there's, you know, there's a artificial Christmas tree up at, at Michael's and it's made of plastic and that's all there is to it, (laughs) you know?
0: Yeah. So, I mean, at the end of the day, I mean, in a roundabout way, I guess we've kind of said, that it's it's okay to decorate for Advent and there's ways to do that, but you know certainly urging against celebrating Christmas before Christmas.
1: Yeah, it's not ideal for living out your faith and get, getting the most out of Christmas. I would say. Yeah, I would also say don't be over scrupulous about it, mm. but it's definitely a noble thing to try to live out the uh, liturgical seasons in your domestic church.
0: So maybe we can go around and recommend to our listeners one practice that might help them this year enter into Advent a little bit more. Just
2: one. I mean, you can, you can, you can say a few. Sure. <laughs> I was going to, I was actually going to ask you to like, what do you do for all of Advent? Tell me the entire thing, but that's probably too long for the episode. So. (laughs)
0: Not, not really. I mean, we, from the, from our side, it's kind of been interesting because we're, you know, we just, we now have, uh, you know, a son. And so we're kind of looking at how do we celebrate with him you know, and what kind of um, what kind of traditions do we want to introduce for him? Um, I mean, in terms of decorating, yeah, we do winter decorations and things like that, but we don't do Christmas uh, decorations until Christmas. Um, we do put up the tree prior to Christmas, but we don't put on the angel on the top until Christmas Day um, or until after after Christmas, uh, Christmas midnight mass, we set up a a crash, but we, and we have the Holy family kind of going through the house leading up to the crash, you know, and we put, you know, baby Jesus and whatnot in on Christmas morning. Yeah, I think. And, and like when it comes to Christmas music and things like that, we specifically have like Advent playlists that are just like, you know, Preparatory songs, but not you know celebrating the arrival of of Christ. That's that's a few things that we do.
1: I mean, we're pretty noob tier in uh, Maestro's household. Like we uh, we're kind of still struggling through the transition from how do we do real Advent. <laughs> um, so the decorations all over the place and. In terms of like devotional stuff, it uh, it still needs to be nailed down. We, you know, we just started doing actual fasts during Advent, um, so that's like we do treat Advent like it's a season where we're strictly giving something up, like Lent. Um, But yeah, uh, we don't have a lot of set dates for things. Just like the decorations start slowly coming up through Lent. We also, like, I also kind of set up an Advent playlist, but uh, that was, I mean, too extreme for the rest of the family, (laughs) 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 which is just Brooke. She really wanted to listen to Christmas music, so there's that. (laughs) (laughs) Under the bus. Sorry, Brooke. (laughs) I blame it all on Chris because I was totally willing to speak in abstract, but he wanted to know what my family does. So I got to tell you honestly that we uh, are not very good at (laughs) liturgical living for Advent. something we're just kind of getting started
0: at. Mm Mm-hmm. I, I forgot something and, and this is more, I, I have to make mention of this because Nick is here. So uh, something that we learned from the Carmelite sisters uh, is <laughs> they have, they have this like statue of the baby Jesus. And what they do is they bring him out on Christmas day um, or after midnight mass or something. Um, and they all, um, give the baby Jesus to each of the sisters and they all venerate him. And then they put him on this like beautiful um, like regal looking pillow. And so we, we have, we have that in our house. So last year we, you know, we brought out the baby Jesus and
2: venerated him and then put him on this regal pillow. And uh, yeah. Is that the official name for it? Or does it have a name? I don't know. Like the Holy pillow or the, know. The regal pillow. I don't know.
0: It it just It's super. It's super sweet. It's like gold and I don't know. I, I I don't know what you call it. It's just really nice. The holy the pillow. pillow. I like it.
2: The holy <laughs> pillow of Antioch. <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna go there, but I was like, I don't know if these guys would appreciate that. <laughs>
1: <laughs> We've talked about that on previous podcasts. <laughs> that show.
0: So what about you, man?
2: Yeah. Um, I'm going to repeat a couple things. Cause again, I don't know how much is going to get cut for my, uh, lack of sleep coming through here and, uh, how much of it ended up freezing anyway. Um, but so we, we get a, a live Christmas tree on immaculate conception and, uh, we put it up on Gaudete. We decorate it on Christmas Eve and then we burn it on Candlemas, um, have a great big bonfire outside. So that that kind of sets a whole timeline for um, for Advent. And so that would be the biggest thing I would recommend to people is if you can, again, if you can, not like this is obligatory because it's not possible for everybody, but if you can get a real Christmas tree um, that completely transformed my approach to Christmas over the last few years. We had an artificial tree when I was a kid. Um, and every year it was like, go get the box out of the basement. And it's, it's covered in duct tape that's falling apart and it's got dust all over it. And whereas you go out to a Christmas tree farm and you pick out your tree and you cut it down and you bring it home. And this is, this is your Christmas tree. And it's like, coming up on it in the field and seeing it, it's like, this was made for this. This is, this is its purpose. Um, which, okay. Yeah. You could probably say the same thing about an artificial Christmas tree. Like that's its purpose. But at the same time, um, I think that there is a profound beauty in, um, the, the Christmas tree giving itself to the celebration of this season. Um, I forget which saint said it, but there's a saint who uh, had this this great quote about candles, um, and how you know they they show us the light of Christ even at the expense of themselves being consumed in the process. I'm butchering the quote, but um, it, I, I think that the more we we move towards this is very difficult in 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 our current culture because people are reacting against consumerism, right? Um, But I think if we move towards a consumptive mentality for these things, Christmas trees, candles, holy oils, incense, these are real things that have a real purpose. And I think that that can be a a profound way to, to kind of draw us into that mystery a bit more. I feel very strongly about that particular topic. I'm actually going to write a blog about it later on uh, in a couple of weeks. Um, Ever since I found out that the very first artificial Christmas tree was invented by a toilet brush company. (laughs)
0: uh,
2: (laughs) You can thank the art of manliness for bringing that to my attention. So shout out to Brett McKay uh, praying for his conversion. Um, He would make an awesome Catholic. I think Um, that, that would be the biggest thing. And then, other thing that we do, we celebrate Saint Nicholas on his feast day. Um, we don't. Our daughter's two, so she's not quite there, understanding um, Santa or anything like that. We're not even going to do Santa with her. Um, it's going to be Saint Nicholas, uh, and he brings gifts on his feast day. And we've talked about it. You know, both my wife and I come from families where Santa was was a big thing, and and you went to see Santa at the mall or wherever, and. Um, Santa brought big gifts on Christmas, but, um, the two of us talking about it, we felt as though in our personal experience that Santa had a tendency to overshadow Christ on Christmas. Um, and we didn't want that to be even a possibility for our kids. Um, now everybody's different. Everybody has different approaches to it. I'm not here to say that, um, you know, Santa is evil or anything like that. He's obviously based on, St. Nicholas. Uh, and I think that there are prudent and appropriate ways to incorporate the celebration of Santa into Christmas. Um, but in our family, we've, we've, we've just chosen to go about it in a different way. So St. Nicholas on his, on his feast day. And then if you want to do, you know, gifts from the Christ child or something on Christmas, um, that's another way to do that as well. And then since we're talking to a trad audience, um, Definitely, don't forget that uh, there are Ember Days right in the middle of Advent. So, perfect opportunity for more fasting and abstinence um, during that last week. Uh, you know, right before Christmas time. So, awesome. Um, those are those are the big ones for us, I think.
1: Saint Nicholas's Day is actually a thing that we do in our house too. And I didn't think of that as an Advent thing, but it is really. Um, you know we put out the kids shoes and we we always get those um chocolate gold coins put them in the shoes and tell them the story of how saint nicholas would give coins to the poor children and stuff like that so that's always a nice yeah. little practice that's really easy to do and kids love it
2: i uh we, we do saint nicholas pancakes um you could probably find a picture of them on my Instagram. I've done them two years in a row now. Uh, We make pancakes that are shaped like St. Nicholas's face. (laughs) (laughs) So you got, um, you got pancakes and then like little raspberries, I think for his, uh, his, his nose and maybe blueberries for his eyes. And then um, a bunch of cut up strawberries to make his miter and then whipped cream for the beard and the cross on the miter. And, yeah. It's, it's this whole big thing and <laughs> we absolutely love it. It's so much fun. <laughs> That's awesome.
1: I'm coming to your house for St. Nicholas day. Yeah I, want yeah. yeah.
2: I actually caught some flack for it last year. Cause last year it fell on, um, was it on a Friday? I think it was on a Friday, whatever day it was. It was the day that the exorcists recommended like, fasting and prayer for the church. Maybe it wasn't last year, but it was the year before. I don't remember. It was, it was after the within the last couple of years. Um, do you remember that though? When the exorcists were all like, Oh yeah. You know, you should set aside this. And it was, it was like a big thing and like everybody was on board and yeah. And I, I was like, well, it's St. Nicholas day and it's my name day. And that's kind of a big deal to, to me and my family. Um, I feel like we can set aside another day for fasting and prayer for this intention. And we're going to go ahead and celebrate this particular feast day. And I, I got some flack for it for, from a few people online who don't even know me. It's like, all right, (laughs) you're going to criticize my devotional life.
0: (laughs) You're trad shaming me for, for following one devotion. That's traditional i not mm-hmm. following this just willy-nilly, you know, thing. Yeah. No, that's crazy. Yeah. That's crazy. Wow. Well, I,
2: trads are the worst, aren't they? Trads
0: there? are just terrible. Yeah. <laughs> worst. Yeah. So I, I think this has been a, a good conversation. I think for me, I've gotten, I, I've received a uh, lot of cool ideas and, and things have challenged me. And I'm like, dang, I've got to go out and get a Christmas tree now. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Nick's not going to respect us if we put up the fake trees anymore. Anyway. I'm like, I'm and the toilet brush the tree. Trees <laughs> just sitting there with dust waiting to be opened up. I'm like, oof. We're never going <laughs> to
1: hear the end of the toilet brush jokes. <laughs> <It's> just-
2: yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's all i see when i go to craft stores you know it's like michael's or or hobby lobby or wherever and i see all these christmas trees up. i'm like wow look at all the the toilet brush collection has really expanded this year Uh, that's great
0: that's great so nick thank you very much for for joining us on the the podcast today it has been a, a joy and an honor to have you on again
2: Thanks so much for your invitation. I, I always enjoy our conversations, whether they are recorded or not.
0: <laughs> yes, it's, it's actually been an honor to have you in our uh, VIB group as well. It, uh,
2: yeah, it's a lot of fun. People who are listening should, uh, should request a join. For sure. For sure. It's a good group. It's mm-hmm. uh, it's fun. So,
0: uh, anyways, I guess we'll we'll sign off here. So, again, uh, to all who are listening, thank you very much for joining us today. We really appreciate you coming and joining us at the podcast table. Um, again, if you haven't subscribed yet, make sure that you visit us on uh, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Podcasts, uh, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you're listening, and hit that subscribe button. Uh, follow us on social media at Theology of the Buddy. <laughs> And, uh, again, you can find our show notes and past episodes at theologyofthebody.com. And, uh, next week we are, uh, back together again with Brooke and maybe Julie, and I'm not sure what we're talking about, but I'm sure it's going to be great. (laughs) <laughs> so make sure you're subscribed uh so you can hear that when it comes out new episodes are released every wednesday so until then
2: stay, stay <laughs> Awesome.